We all need a shot of encouragement to keep us going. A new beginning with Greg Laurie is sure to help in your journey of faith. Hear it twice daily. Details at vision.org.au. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. Anyone who faces life this way knows that God just doesn't throw you out there into the world, but He says, I'm going to be with you and I'm never going to leave you. Today with Jeff Vines. Hi there, thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. My name is Bill and Pastor Jeff has started a new series called Wildlife. It's all about how we can live impressive lives that are in closer connection with God. And we've been looking at the life of Gideon from the book of Judges chapter 6. Let's get into it and we'll hear the remainder of this message now. This is Today with Jeff Vines. You think about the people in the book of Hebrews, they're suffering because they have taken a stand for Jesus. And then the writer says, look at the hardship as discipline. Well, wait a minute, what have they done wrong? That's not the point. You never know why you're in the position that you're in. And the only way that you can respond to it that would bring about victory is if you look at all things as God taking these disadvantages, turns them into an advantage and they use them ultimately, He uses them for His glory. Now, once we understand that, God does not say to Gideon, let's talk about why you're in this mess. He just says basically this, do you want to out or not? Are you ready to move forward? And Gideon says that the narrative is beautiful. Gideon says, yes, I do, but I'm not sure you're going to help me. Now, do you see this? Gideon basically asked God for proof. So he's not saying to God, God, prove to me that you exist. No, he's saying, God, we've sinned so much. Now that I'm in your, your, your presence, I've realized we don't really deserve anything. So how do I know you're not setting me up? Are you really going to deliver us? And Gideon says basically to God, God, be patient with me, but I'm going to lay out a fleece on the ground. And when I lay this fleece out, I'm going to ask that when I wake up in the morning that the fleece has dew on it, but the ground is dry. And if you do that, Lord, then I'll know you're going to protect us. So he goes to bed. He wakes up the next morning. God did exactly what he wanted him to do. But then Gideon says, now, God, don't get angry here, but because you think about it, it's 50-50 chance, right? So he says, God, can we, can we do this again? Only this time, can it be dry on the fleece and there be dew on the ground? It amazes me that God puts up with this kind of unbelief. But because God loves Gideon and he's preparing him for something great in the future, he's incredibly patient. He does what Gideon asked him to do. And the reason is, is because there is a giant that needs to be slain. And the question is, how do you slay a giant? Do you remember what David said in 1 Samuel when Saul said, how are you gonna be able to defeat Goliath? How, how can you defeat this giant? Here's David's response. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. So here's what David says. Here's how I know that I'm going to win this victory. 
because I prayed to God in the past and he delivered me from the paw of the bear and from the paw of the lion. I've already been there, done that. I know what God does. He has put me in situations in the past to build my faith and trust. So in this moment, in this day, I'm gonna slay Goliath. Now here's the point, here's the principle. God will take advantage of every opportunity to build our faith and every opportunity to demonstrate his faithfulness to us. Therefore, you gotta learn to wake up every single day with this attitude. Principle number one, these are so beautiful. There's seven of them, but you gotta get one at a time. And the first is this. I gotta wake up every day and say to myself, no matter what happens today, God intends on using every unfortunate event in my life this day as a faith builder leading to the greatest accomplishments of my life. Yeah, let me say that again. God intends on using the unfortunate events of my life as faith builders so that I learn to trust him no matter what, so that I can experience great accomplishments in the future when God puts me in a position where I've learned his faithfulness in the past and I know he will be faithful in the future. God's forte. I mean, God is an opportunist. He looks for opportunities in our lives to take what others meant for evil and turn them for good. But the manner in which we respond to them makes all the difference. Now, Let's contextualize this principle. And we're gonna contextualize it to death because we can't leave the first part of this series until we've fully grappled with it, okay? Let's think about, wouldn't it, would it not be true that if you knew precisely what every new day would bring, then you could be ready and prepared to respond appropriately in a way that would lead to victories in your life rather than defeats, right? But here's the problem. You do know. You do know what's going to happen every day of your life. You've been living long enough now. You know someone is going to cut you off on the 210. Done deal. You know that someone is going to slide a sarcastic, demeaning remark your way. You know that somebody is going to make an attempt to devalue you. You will be lied to. You will be taken advantage of. You will be belittled. You will suffer health issues. Some days are better than others, but the reality is you know, generally speaking, what's coming your way because it's been coming your way since the day basically you were born. Now here's the issue. You have to make up your mind somewhere along the way. And I was at a university this past week called Kentucky Christian University. And I reminded the students of something. There's only one of two options in this world. Either you have been created by God and you are in his image and there is ultimate meaning and purpose in your life whereby God is preparing you for some great endeavor or the other option is there is no God, there is no meaning, there is no purpose and everything that happens in your life is dumb bad luck and one day you're gonna go back into the dirt. There's no middle ground, folks. It's one or the other, but let it be one or the other, which means that you are designed for reason and purpose and that God wants to take all of these events in your life, especially the unfortunate ones, and build into you a type of faith whereby in the future, he can do something fantastic where people say, man, that is wild life. That is wild living. Look at that. How did you do that out of that? That is the God of scripture. And I promise you this, if you decide to do this, remember what God told Gideon? He said in verse 14, okay, Gideon, you've got a set of unfortunate circumstances here. Go in your own strength and you save Israel out of your hand. You, you come up with the power and you free the Israelites from the Midianites. So God basically says, we can do this one of two ways. You can go at it alone and you will fail 
or we can do this together and you will always win. And God is saying that I intend on using the unfortunate events of your life as faith builders leading to the greatest accomplishments of your life. See, if God does have a grand purpose for us then, this is God's forte. He wants us to live the wild life. He wants us to know that he's gonna take everything that is meant for evil from the gossip someone says about us to the disease we're diagnosed with and he's gonna prepare all of this, bring it together, work it together for good so that in that given moment for which we've been created that somewhere off in the future, we will respond the right way and greatness will occur. Now folks, this is the way that we can respond to life or we can just become bitter and cold and basically live lives of defeat. You know, and I've known strong Christian missionaries and preachers that respond in a negative way that leads to a bitterness and ultimately a leaving of the ministry and sometimes the leaving of the faith. I knew a missionary who worked in a very difficult field and I remember speaking with him three or four years ago. And you know, he, he started out with such promise, but he ran into a very difficult circumstance. He did not respond to it very well. And he felt like the, in, in the circumstance, the only plausible explanation was that God had abandoned him. Because he felt that way, he then abandoned God, abandoned his faith, and is just a bitter old man. The problem is, what if God allowed that to come into his life to prepare him for some great future event to teach him, if I can get you to respond appropriately to this setback, then I know in the future when you face the ultimate setback, you're gonna learn, you have learned that I would be faithful in this and I can trust you to stay your ground, to stand your ground and I can use you for some grand purpose from some great design. Now, you say, okay, Pastor Jeff, I think I know what you're saying, but what do you want me to do? What's my takeaway? Where do I go from here? Okay, let's give a few examples. We said we were gonna contextualize this, let's do it. Someone makes you angry today. Can I ask you to pause and think, okay, wait a minute, this person made me angry. First of all, I don't know what's going on in their lives. I have no idea. But maybe this is a test. God wants to know, wants me to know how I will respond. And if I respond with an attitude of forgiveness and grace, then God's gonna send more of these situations into my life because there's something going to happen in the future where if I will respond to anger with grace and kindness, some great event is going to occur. There's gonna be great ramifications because in that moment I have been trained all my life and I have responded to anger in the way that I should, so now there's a great victory on the horizon. Let's say, that God allows me in one of my days to experience great financial loss. You know, I remember when my wife and I lived in New Zealand with our kids, we suffered a great financial loss. And it's the only time I've ever seen, all right, second time, two times I've seen my wife cry. And one of those was when we were just in such financial disarray that we didn't know how we were gonna make it. But I look back at that time now, and now I know that God wanted to know that if he could try, now obviously he knows this, so it's much more about what we know. He wanted to, to open our eyes to the reality of who we were because in that financial stress, I had stopped giving the first fruits of my life to God for a season. And I think God was trying to show me, look, even when things aren't working out the way you think they should, if you will trust me, ultimately, I will take care of you. I will meet all your needs in Christ Jesus. And so we decided to start doing the right thing and then I know that in the future, 
somewhere, I'm gonna be called upon to do that again. And I believe that there is greatness waiting. If I respond appropriately now, if I see every negative thing that happens in my life now as God's training ground to build my faithfulness, toward him, then I'll know he'll be able to use me for something great in the future, that I will respond appropriately to the unfortunate events of my life. Now let's go on into a deeper little example here. There are so many uh, young men and, and women in our generation that have talked to pastors and counselors about being sexually abused when they were younger. It's the way of our culture and our world. We are enamored with this aspect. And there are many children who have suffered so much now, I'm not saying for a moment that God causes something like that to happen. That's not the point of the message at all. The point is that God promises to take what someone is meant for evil, turn it around and use it for his purposes. So it's so difficult to find out why we're in a situation, when we're in it, what was allowed, what was caused, what is the result of an evil free will decision that somebody else makes. That's not the point. We will never have the mind of God. We will never know the reasons for some of the unfortunate events of our lives. But the attitude that we have when we approach these issues, God tells us if you will look at everything that happens in your life as training ground for future greatness. So you say, well, what, what on earth could happen in the future that would take advantage of something so detrimental in a person's life. And of course, 2 Corinthians tells us, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So here's the point. We may never know the mind of God, but we know the mind of man. And we know that we are going to experience unfortunate circumstances throughout our entire life, so that the principle, the precept that gives us these great extraordinary victories where people would say, man, that's so wild, you are living the wild life, is when we say, you know what? I don't know why this happened, but I do know that it did happen. God was faithful to me and he came to me in my time of need and gave me his, this, this prevailing presence that gave me the strength that I needed for victory. So now I too, I am prepared for greatness in the future. When someone who's about to give up on life, I can minister to them. I can comfort them with the comfort that God himself has given me. And so you continue to see everything that's happened in your life, no matter what it is, as an opportunity for God to build his faithfulness in you and you to trust God for whatever it is he wants to do in you in the future. So the most beautiful thing about all these, and there are so many different examples of this, but the most beautiful thing of all is that anyone who faces life this way knows that God just doesn't throw you out there and says, hey, you're gonna experience some difficult times and I don't care. He throws you out there into the world, but he says, I'm gonna be with you and I'm never gonna leave you, ever. I'm gonna give you such a presence in your life and a power in your life that I will sustain you even through the most difficult of seasons and times. But God says, as he said to Gideon, he says to you and me, but make no mistake, I am going to be preparing you constantly for some great endeavor that's going to happen in the future. Every event of your life, if you will respond to it by saying, hey, how is God building in me greatness? Then greatness will come. Let me, let me end with this in our first principle. Most of us assume when we meet someone of greatness, when we meet someone that is just awe-inspired or awe-inspiring, that 
We believe they slid into greatness. We believe that, well, sure, everything's gone right for you. So you've had these special privileges and opportunities. So of course you've become great. I mean, uh, come on, I would too. But can I tell you something? As you study the lives of people, I can tell you that is almost never true. Never. You just didn't see the hidden things and the hidden events in their lives that built in them this incredible, what the Bible calls hupomone, staying power to give them the ability to turn every unfortunate circumstance into ultimate greatness. One of the greatest men who ever lived was born just about 20 miles that way in a place called Hardin County, Kentucky. In Hardin County, Kentucky, when he was born, no one had privilege of any kind. He was no different. His father was illiterate. His mother was a frail, sickly woman. They were forced out of their home when he was seven years old. His mother died when he was nine. He had virtually no formal education. His first attempt at business failed miserably. A year later, he ran for the state legislator and failed miserably. That same year, he lost his job and applied to law school. He was laughed out of consideration because of his miserable qualifications. So he started another business with some money that he borrowed from a friend. Within a year, the business faded and failed. He then claimed bankruptcy and spent the next 17 years paying off the debt. In 1835, he fell deeply in love only to have his heart broken when his girlfriend died shortly after the engagement. The following year, he had a complete nervous breakdown and spent the next six months in bed recovering. In 1838, he sought to become the speaker of the state legislator and was defeated. In 1840, two years later, he sought to become the elector of the state and again was dismally defeated. Three years later, he ran for Congress and lost. In 1846, he won a seat in Congress only to be soundly defeated Two years later, in 1849, he sought the job of land officer in his home state, but was rejected. In 1854, he ran for Senate of the United States, and again, he lost. In 1856, he sought the vice presidential nomination at his party's national convention. He received less than 100 votes. The defeat was embarrassing. In 1858, he ran for the U.S. Senate, lost again. Then finally, in 1860, Abraham Lincoln was elected to the presidency of the United States. And soon after Abraham Lincoln's election, the United States entered into the most devastating war our country has ever seen. But his perseverance rewarded him with an unprecedented political success, absolutely unprecedented. He was elected easily to a second term, easily. And like William Wilberforce in England, Lincoln was determined to abolish slavery. And he outperformed and outlasted every single one of his opponents. Now, sadly, only five days after General Lee surrendered on the 14th of April, 1865, you know the rest of the story. Abraham Lincoln was assassinated. He was dead before reaching 60 years of age. But someone said of Lincoln that he was the kind of man that the more you knocked him down, the more determined he was to get up. Here's the point, principle one. The steel of greatness is forged in the pit. It is always forged during unfortunate circumstances. Don't ever, ever forget that. And if you hope to live the wild life 
You gotta get up every day saying this to yourself, no matter what happens to me today, no matter what, no matter how minuscule, no matter how small, no matter how great, the fact is that God intends on using these unfortunate events in my life as faith builders leading to the greatest accomplishments of my life. And who's the greatest example? Jesus Christ. The most unfortunate event from a human standpoint was the death of Jesus on the cross and that he was being prepared for greatness because now he sits at the right hand of the Father and you and I, because of his work on the cross, can be saved by grace through faith. Principle one, get up tomorrow morning, write it down in your Bible, put it on your refrigerator somewhere, put it where you'll see it every day. Today, I am gonna look at every event that happens in my life as God building me or building greatness into me for a future event whereby he needs me to stand firm, do what he asked me to do, that something eternal might be built, something that will last forever. Father, I thank you and praise you for your goodness. I praise you for the beauty of Kentucky, for the simplicity of this big wooden barn, and for a reminder that no event in our life goes unnoticed. No event of which you won't take a good look and say, you know what? I'm gonna build in you faithfulness for the future. That greatness, I see greatness in you if you will remain faithful with every new day. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for joining us on Today with Jeff Vines. That's the end of that message. But next time, Pastor Jeff continues in the Wildlife series all about the life of Gideon and what we can learn about being closely connected with God. We come to that next part of the narrative and we're learning principle two of the wildlife. And here's what it is. God will often require us to do what seems to be unreasonable. God will often require us to do something that seems to be unreasonable. I look forward to your company next time on Today with Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.